Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. David, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk with me today. I'm super excited to talk to you um, and just learn a little bit more about you as a person. But first and foremost, um, how are you and your family doing during all this? Um, I know you have kids and a wife. Everybody fell in love with you on All or Nothing back in the day. So, uh, you know, update on how you guys are doing. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, We're doing good, though. We're back in Arizona um, and really just trying to stay quarantine-free and trying to keep our kids active. Uh, that's probably the biggest challenge we have is our son is kind of getting into the age where he wants to be active and be doing something all the time. Or else he gets bored and then he starts kind of acting up. And so we do a lot of swimming, <laughs> especially with the heat starting to uh, get uh, up in Arizona. So we're doing a lot of swimming, um, a lot of jumping on a trampoline and just uh, hanging out. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, how old, how old is he? He's three. Okay. So a lot then of our daughter in London, she'll be a year already next month on the wow. 14th. That's crazy. Yeah, the one-year-old's fine with quarantine. She, she knows no different, but that three-year-old's <laughs> exactly. got that energy that's just ready to go do something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You won't sit still, which is good, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's better him swimming than, you know, on YouTube all day. <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard such a big problem on this. YouTube and video games, it's wild now. It's nuts, They're man. loving this quarantine. I know, I know. I have a seven-year-old, and it's like, no, we're going outside. We're going to jump on the trampoline. We're going to throw the football. We're, we got to stay active. Life's normal, <laughs> man. Um, I know, I know. Uh, so, you know, I thought we could talk a little bit about Arizona, your time there. Obviously, you're starting a whole new thing here. Um, you're starting with a new team. Uh, you have a ton of history in Arizona. I just thought maybe we could recap just kind of your sentiments and feelings from the time you were there in Arizona, uh, what you loved most about it, and then kind of what you're looking forward to the most in this new chapter. You know, Arizona was my first uh, team ever, uh, getting drafted, becoming an NFL player, following my dream, and so... When I got there, um, it was amazing. Uh, we have great, we had great leaders, Carson, uh, Tyron Matthews. Um, we had a lot of guys, Larry, who I always talk about highly, Calais, that, who I still talk to. I still talk to a lot of these players. And so when I got there in the 2015 year, was crazy, um, you know, with the playoff run and everything like that. And so, man, it was a crazy year. Um, a lot of um, ups and downs for me, but mostly ups. And so, it was a great start to my career, um, you know, and I always will cherish, uh, you know, all of my teammates, the different coaches who I've gotten uh, able to, who I was able to learn from, uh, a lot of the teammates who I was able to learn from, not just on the field, but off the field. That's probably my biggest thing um, that I will cherish the most and miss the most is just um, the brotherhood um, in the locker room with the Cardinals. Uh, learn, like I said, learning from Larry. Uh, guys like that, Carson, guys like that, Patrickson, so many guys, um, a lot of linemen that I got uh, was able to become close with. And so uh, for me, Arizona was a, a great, um, I guess for now, a great beginning to my career. And hopefully I can continue it with Houston. I can't wait to get there. Um, but Arizona, I loved also with the community. Um, me and my wife, Megan, we loved the community. We um Try to do, try to do so much for the community, and there is so, so many um, big fans and supporters, and uh, we still, you know, 
try to interact with the community as much as we can here in Arizona. So it's been a lot. It was a lot of uh, memories with Arizona for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, I mean, obviously you accomplished a lot on the field. Um, you know, people that don't know football but write about it, you know, claim that you had one productive season in the NFL, and that's 2016. We were talking a little bit about uh, this before we started that, you know, 2018 was an amazing season in itself, especially when you look at the nuances and everything else that you had to deal with with that team, new offensive line, um, just a new scheme, things of that nature. I mean, you had 1,400 yards, 10 TDs. Can you talk a little bit about the 2018 season and kind of what you went through and how you were still able to be so productive? Man, that was a crazy year. Uh, New coach, new system, um, and it was really a whole different system than what I was used to where it was uh, a fullback, um, a lot of more power runs, a lot more of uh, bigger back type runs, which I am. But, you know, it was tough to get used to at first because it wasn't that VA offense that I did for, you know, so many years where I was being split out a receiver a lot more or being utilized as a catcher a lot more, um, not taking so many hits as I did in 2018. And I still was productive. I think the biggest thing, reason, is that a lot of the core players were still there. Um, and I was still, you know, a lot. most of the linemen were still there. Uh, and so it was still like playing. We were still learning the system the same. And we all knew how each other played, I guess. And that was probably one of the biggest um, things that helped me out is that the system, even though it was different, um, the quarterback was different, but – a lot of the other players were still the same, and we all, you know, were able to, uh, especially in the up front, in the front line, we were all able to um, figure out the, the offense that way. Yeah. What what would you say the difference was scheme-wise from 2016 to 2018? Was it more – so from a zone scheme to a power scheme? Yeah, I would say more more to a power scheme. Like I said, more tight ends, fullbacks, uh, stacking the box for defenses. Uh, that way, and I think that's probably the biggest thing is that it went from uh, B.A. offense to kind of like a Big Ten power back offense. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you're, you're now in Houston. Uh, lots of exciting things are going on in Houston. Lots of new additions and players, including yourself. Um, what do you see? Do you see any similarities between the Houston scheme and the Arizona scheme, whether it be 2016, 18, 19? I mean, do you see – based on what your communications have been, kind of what, what the similarities could be? We haven't talked too much. I'm still learning it, but just I've been watching a lot of film um, on my own from, you know, TV copies, um, NFL Network and stuff. And I think it is pretty similar to uh, BA's offense, um, just from my viewing as a fan of watching the game and how, you know, they use Duke Johnson as a receiving back and uh, the way they were able to use his skill set, um, not just as a runner, but also as a skill, uh, uh, also as a receiver being utilized that way. And I think um, that will help me out a lot. And for me and Duke to both be there, I mean, defenses are going to have a tough time knowing, you know, what's going to happen. And uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to get there. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for me that excites me. I wrote a piece the other day about kind of with you and Duke in the backfield, it's going to be, from a matchup perspective, and when you look at the speed from the wide receivers, 
their teams are going to have to pick their poison. If they want to take away the deep ball, well, good luck with the linebackers covering you guys out of the backfield. I mean, how exciting is that to kind of work with within the offense like that and also just having the pairing of Duke? I mean, with you two in the backfield at the same time, it's going to be very interesting to watch. Oh, man, it's very exciting. We have so many weapons, like you said, just not not just at the running back, but also with the additions we had, plus the guys we already had there, Will Fuller and those guys. And so, um, like you said, feature poison. If you want to try to go cover two or try to go yep. uh, cover three deep, you know, deep, that gives us more room to operate, me and Duke. And like you said, which which ones, and if we both are on the field, <laughs> which one's going out? As a receiver, which one is staying in for pass row, or we both going out? I mean, who knows what's going to happen. So, man, I can't wait to hopefully uh, get there and actually dive in to the playbook and get with everyone and try to figure out this offense. Yeah, it, it, the potential is, is really exciting. Um, it's really exciting to look at what this offense could be. What are your thoughts on working with Deshaun Watson? I mean, you, you worked with Carson Palmer, you know, potential Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, you played with Kyler last year, uh, scrambling quarterback that can also throw – Deshaun, obviously, you know, is a next-generation talent. He's extremely good at what he does. Um, what are your thoughts on working with Deshaun, and have you been in communication with him at all, and kind of what, what are your thoughts? So I've been in communication with him a little bit. Um, I'm excited, man. Um, I've watched him, like I said, as a fan uh, last year just a little bit, and his ability to be a playmaker – just for one instance, getting poked in the eye and still being able to throw the touchdown to Darren Fells yeah. and being being able to not just be a effective pass, passer but also a runner. Um, so those read options, those things like that, where it really makes the DN or the linebacker, whoever, um, their team, it really puts them in a bind to where they're going to have to be sound on their defensive technique because one gap out of place, could be a touchdown for us or a first down or anything like that. So I think for Deshaun, man, it's going to be it's going to be crazy what our offense is going to look like and what we're going to be able to produce um, as far as, you know, the scoreboard, the stats. Uh, I can't wait to be able to be out there on the field with him. I mean, he's still young, too, so <laughs> who knows what his ceiling is. He still has, uh, you know, he's not – he's still in his first contract, so – Man, it's going to be wild. This offense is going to be wild with not just Deshaun, but also the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends. We have so many weapons all over the board on offense. Yeah, I think the the best part about Deshaun and, and covering this team is when you watch his development from the time he came into the league, I mean, every year he's getting better and better at all the different aspects of it. And, um, yeah, it's just fun to watch a quarterback develop the way that Deshaun has. Um so what do you know about the city of Houston? Uh, you know, I know you said you've been here a couple times. What about Houston that excites you? And, you know, what are you looking forward to the most just about the city itself? So I've been there only a couple of times. <laughs> I went there for the Super Bowl and then maybe one other time. And I think the biggest thing that I'm most excited for is the food. That's all I hear. Anytime I ask anyone about anything about Houston, it's always the food, the barbecue. So, the first thing I'm probably going to do when I get down there is check out one of their best barbecue places and uh, try it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the staples in, in Houston from a athletic perspective is there's a – I'm sure you're already aware of this, but there's a gentleman by the name of the Footwork King, Rashad. He works with running backs and cornerbacks and all that stuff. Have you had any thoughts about what training will look like once you guys are able to get to Houston and kind of who you would reach out to to get ready for the season? 
Well, once we get down there, I'll probably just train with um, the the coaches there in Houston, uh, Mike and Mike Eubanks, and try to train with them just so I can get familiar with the coach. Yeah. Um, I haven't been there yet. I'm, I haven't done much, you know, with him except for trying to uh, follow the little uh, workout thing that they voluntarily sent us. And so as soon as I get down there, I'll probably try to train with them, try to train at the facility as much as I can with the rules. Um, so I can get used to that environment as well before the season starts. Because who knows when we're going to start, man. Yeah. We might not even have time to train. We might go straight into the season. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's such an interesting year. I think, uh, you know, with, with COVID-19 and things of that nature, it's going to be strange. But, you know, as I know you've already been asked this, but, I mean, the chances of playing without fans in the stadium, I mean, it's such a big part of what you guys love, right? I mean, there's so many different aspects to it. Can you see that happening? And if so, how can it impact you guys as players? Man, honestly, I cannot see that. I can't envision that. Yeah. I, I can't I can't picture myself being on the field with no one in the stands. It would feel like practice. Right. And, you know, as a lot of coaches and players say, when you're practicing, you have that practice mentality. Uh, it's really not that killer game mentality where you're trying to go out there and, you know, put it all on the line and, you know, you're trying to grit it out. So it's going to be tough not hearing people cheer or boo or get loud. It's going to be weird if we end up having to do that because, honestly, I don't know how that's going to impact football games with no fans out there. They're going to probably have to put music or something on the uh, on the loudspeaker because I honestly don't know how a team is going to play another team with no sound of crowd or no, seeing no one in the fans, especially with some of these stadiums that are massive yep. and you just see empty seats. It's going to be hard for someone to get motivated or to get pumped for a game because when you, even when you're coming out there in pregame and, you're, and you see fans rushing down to take a picture or play catch or see players, that excites you. And when you're coming out for a pregame and there's no one there, it's going to be tough to get ready for a game. Yeah, and it's such a – like, the biggest aspect is the momentum, right? Like, you know, yeah. it, it can change at the drop of a dime, and that the, the crowd noise and all that plays such a part into continuing and building on that. Exactly. And plus, you know, a lot of teams like, you know, Seattle, the Chiefs, a lot of those teams, they use the crowd as a weapon. And so who knows, maybe that's going to hurt them as well because – I'm telling you, when we played in Seattle, every time we played in Seattle, and they have a momentum, an interception, a fumble or anything, and it's going their way, I cannot hear myself think. Right. So that is a huge weapon um, for a lot of these teams, and it might affect them as well. I mean, as many times as you've played Seattle in your time, I, I can only imagine that you kind of wish that there were no fans when you were in Seattle as loud as that place can get. <laughs> I know, unless we're up. Unless we're up, then you hear them silent and, you know, you see them being mad. That's probably a good – that's a good – the best I but, yeah, I definitely liked it, like it there with, the, with no fans there. <laughs> it was a lot easier to play. <laughs> uh, so, uh, obviously, you know, you've done – you did two interviews already with, uh, with Texans Media and Texans Season fan members. And one of the biggest takeaways I took from that, and I wrote about it in my article, was you, you mentioned multiple times about Bill O'Brien wanting to come – like wanting to come get you, you, you being wanted yeah. by Bill O'Brien. Can you talk a little bit – because I think what people tend to forget – with athletes is you guys are people and 
the feeling of being wanted as a person, a player, a father, a husband, it, it, you really can't overstate the impact of that yeah. internally. Um, can you talk a little bit about that feeling and, and how it's kind of made you feel about joining this team? That's huge, man, uh, because if you have a coach or, like you said, anyone that you know personally that wants to be around you or want your talent, it makes you want to, one, be around them and, two, play harder for them as a, you know, a player. And so for him to say constantly in the media, say it to me all the time, that he wants my talent, that he uh, still thinks that I'm capable to uh, be an effective runner and catcher, um, it, it, it means a lot for me because it makes me feel, like you said, wanted. Uh, makes me feel that um, he still believes in me. And if you have coaches or someone who's like, ah, oh, man, we got to settle for them or something like that, it, it kind of takes your self-esteem away and then it makes you, what, regret or – makes you not want to play hard for them or be around them. So for him to say that, uh, it means a lot. And not just that, what he did, what he gave up to do that uh, meant a lot because everyone knows, um, you know, about D-Hop and, uh, you know, how how big he is for that, for Houston. And so for him to do that, it uh, really showed that he wants me uh, to be there, to be a staple, be a, a leader for that team. Yeah, to me, it said a lot, you know, you mentioned D-Hop. A, a lot of it to me is just, it shows what he valued you as, in my opinion. When I look at the trade, yeah. uh, I look at him at the trade, and I think he valued you as a first-round pick and a guy that's going to come in and be productive day one, a third down, a three-down back that's going to come in and make this offense go. And, you know, as a father, like, or a, like I said, anything, when you feel wanted, it just feels better as a person. When you don't feel wanted, you have that doubt, and then everything else internally yeah. starts to really take control of what you're doing. And it's hard to perform. Yes, it is. It is, because uh, if you have someone, like you said, who's thinking negatively, negatively of you or is not wanting you, then, like you said, your, your head starts thinking negatively. You start doubting, stressing, and every little thing becomes magnified that you do. Um, you start panicking of the little things where the big things start being uh, affected even more. So, um, like I said, I, I can't wait to get there. Uh, Bill O'Brien, every time I talk to him, he's pumped. He's excited. He can't wait for the season to start. I mean, honestly, no, everyone can't wait for the season to start. So, uh, it, I can't wait to get down there. Yeah, no, I think everybody's excited. Um, so, you mentioned talking to Bill O'Brien you know, what has communications been like? I don't want specifics because that's between you two, but just kind of talking yeah. about the offense, where, where he sees you, just what, what has the relationship been and, and what have you taken from that? It's been great. Uh, you know, every time we talk, it's always positive. It's always about, you know, what he expects out of me, um, just to come in and be a leader and uh, be tough. And, you know, just really the biggest thing is uh, block out the noise what everyone's saying, uh, what everyone's depicting or thinking, and just grind and, uh, you know, worry about what's in the organization, the players, the, the front office, the staff, and, you know, worry about uh, doing everything that I can in my power to become the best football player, best running back, best receiver that I can be for this offense. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just find it really interesting. I, I, I like Bill O'Brien. I've had him on the show. I think he uh, – I've talked to him. I think he – I think he's the leader, and I, I think a lot of a lot of things get lost in who he is by by mm -hmm. the media's critiques and what they write about him. I think they just assume 
uh, the worst every time, and they don't give him a fair, fair, fair shot. So I, I agree with you 100%. I think he's a good dude, and I think he's a good coach. I think players want to play for him, and I think that's one part that people just don't want to realize. Yes, that's exactly true. Every player I've talked to, uh, from the top down, every position, every coach, uh, staff there, they've all said they love Bill, not just as a coach, but also as a person. They all feel like they could go and talk to him about anything. I also feel the same. I can go talk to him about anything that's going on in life, anything um, that I may worry about, anything that I have concerns about, not just football, moving, anything. I can come and talk to him, and I don't feel stressed about talking to him. And so that's a great thing to have as a head coach um, because, you know, when you don't have that ability to feel like you can talk to someone, then that feels, you know, you don't, you don't feel like you can you can be comfortable around them, and so it's tough for that. And I never had that worry, even just talking to him. I never met him in person yet because of the quarantine. But um, yeah, like I agree. Yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, so in 2018, uh, both the Houston Texans and the Arizona Cardinals really had uh, offensive line issues. Um, I think both were all the way at the bottom as quarterback hits, sacks, and things of that nature. Uh, and then fast forward now, you look at the Houston Texans offensive line, there's been a huge investment, whether it be Laramie Tunsil, uh, rookie guard last year, Max Sharping, Nick Martin, um, Zach Fulton, and then obviously Titus Howard. There's been a big investment, and last year it paid off. Uh, Deshaun had a great year. He stayed clean, uh, stayed healthy. Um, have you talked to any of the offensive line uh, guys, and, and kind of what is your thoughts on the offensive line and, and preferably like with the scheme of his own and power, where do you think you thrive and will that fit kind of the characteristics of the offensive line? Yeah. So actually one of the first players to reach out to me was an offensive lineman, Nick, Nick Martin. He, he reached out to me and said he was excited and everything. Um, and then I talked to Larry after you guys contract. And so uh, just in, in that perspective, him getting his contract, that means they want him. Yep. And it means he's a great tackle. Um, and so like you said, they invested in Lyman last year uh, with the trades and the draft, and it showed, like you said, with Deshaun, not just Deshaun, but also the running backs. Yep. Um, Carlos had his best career he ever had or, uh, that he ever had in, uh, in the league, and so um, I'm excited, man. And I, like I said, we kind of did the same thing, it seems like, from watching uh, with B.A.'s uh, offense as far as the, the running style of the O-line and the, the scheme. Um, just from watching on TV, and so I can't wait to get there. I think it does really fit my skill set, um, being able to really read um, the holes, and there's multiple directions you can go uh, besides the power where you really only have two options. You know, the scheme that they have, it, it seems like it's it's more um, more able for a running back to pick the, a hole that's open. There's not just one di- direction you can go. You have multiple uh, ways to uh, get past the line of scrimmage or past the defense. And so I think it's going to fit my skill set pretty well. Awesome. Okay. And uh, so now we got the football stuff out of the way. So I, I was just tr- scrolling through Twitter earlier, and somebody was trying to get you on the sticks for Madden, and you were like, I don't do Madden, but I do COD. <laughs> Uh, what, what, what have you been doing outside of working out and spending time with the kids, you know, when the kids go to bed and, and Megan's reading or anything like that, you know, what are you doing? Are you reading? What books are you reading? You know, what games are you playing? Things of that nature. So we, uh, always spend a lot of time in our Bible. So we spend about an hour and a half every day, every night after we put down our kids, 
that's our biggest thing um, that we want to emphasize is, is learning more about God, what he did for us, uh, giving him glory. And so um, that's one of our biggest things is reading the Bible. And then also on my free time, uh, Jordan Hicks, one of my teammates from college, convinced me to get the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I brought that back out, uh, started playing Luigi Mansion oh, yeah. 3. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I feel like a kid again. And then I uh, ended up downloading Call of Duty to play Warzone. Um, but I'm rusty, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm rusty. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I'm actually a pretty good Call of Duty player. Like I said on my uh, social media, I'm actually top prestige in every Call of Duty since the fourth one. But this new one, I just – kids, man. It takes <laughs> – kids take time out of you. Yeah, you don't got to tell me. I got three of them. So there's, there's not a lot of time to <laughs> Oh, yeah, down. you understand. Yeah, you can't just sit down and, th- and throw it on the TV and expect to play, you know, without any noise or anybody wanting to touch exactly. or hang out. So, um, <laughs> yeah. You talk a lot about your faith, and I think it's, uh, I think it's admirable. You don't hear athletes do it a lot. Um, obviously, with Jack Easterby being here, um, you spending time with Megan an hour and a half a night, that's a lot of dedication to – one, your your personal relationship uh, with the the Lord above, but also with Megan, that plays a big part in um, the, a marriage. I've been married 15 years. Um, you know, what do you, how do you expect that to kind of look when you get here? Are you going to try to find a home church? Uh, is it going to be online? Um, and I guess talk a little bit about your faith because I, I think it's very interesting to have those conversations. Yes, I'm glad that you asked. Um, me and Megan, our faith is our biggest thing, like we said, like I've said that God is number one, uh, and then, uh, so when we get to Houston, we're going to try to find a church, but until then, we'll probably do online, um, we have a great church out here, Impact, that we watch every Sunday, and, uh, every holiday and stuff, um, and so we are going to hopefully find a church out there, and, and try to, um, you know, get involved into the community that way as well, um, and, you know, our faith is huge to us, we started FCA, um, well, it would have been 2011. Jeez, 2011, we uh, started going to FCA together back at our college, and that's where we really started growing. And we still talk to our um, Bible leader, group leader, uh, Ken, every day. He sends out uh, little messages about the Bible, a little encouragement, uh, encouraging words to um, live your day by. And so I think every day we try to um, just live out his glory. Um, just try to um, do everything that we can to spread the word, uh, spread the gospel, um, make the discipleship community bigger. And we just went to PAO for the first time. We can't believe we only, this is our first time, but we went this last, what, March, I think it was. And PAO is Players Outreach, uh, Players um, Approach Outreach. It's our, anyway, it's our, uh, uh, NFL Bible group community event that uh, is around um, around March, and we have all the players come out. And I think they said they had about 150 players there um, and their wives. And so it was a great uh, chance to meet other believers in the NFL, a great chance to talk about, you know, what we might have similar uh, struggles or temptations that we have in the NFL. And it was amazing uh, an event. And, We'll definitely go every year since from now, and uh, we can't wait to continue to learn more about God. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's an awesome thing that the NFL has something similar to or something like that for other players to be able to one meet other players that share their faith, 
but are also there to hold each other accountable because that's a big part of all of this with any re- with any religion that anybody has, uh, holding each other accountable with their faith and kind of making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. All right, last things. Um, one thing that Texans fans don't know about David Johnson that you want to share and then end on, you know, how, how excited you are about this and, and really what you think the potential of this team really could be. Oh, one thing that Texans fans don't know about me. I already said I'm a gamer. Yep. Um, kind of. Kind of a gamer. I know one. I know. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I know one. Uh, <laughs> I am not picky. I am not picky on food. So At all? Any? Other, no. I'm not a really I, – I think I eat pretty much anything. I'll try anything um, once if it doesn't taste good. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think – for the Texans fans, if they have any suggestions on food or places to go, I'm all ears. Um, and I just can't wait to get down there, man. This is weird times right now, uh, tough times for the world. Um, you know, hopefully everyone's staying safe. Um, me and my wife, we continue to always pray for everyone, pray for everyone's health, everyone's uh, safety. And um, I can't wait to get down to Houston and really be, me and my wife, really be involved in the community, one, and try to, you know, figure this thing out, um, all of us. Um, and I can't wait to meet my teammates, meet the staff, and really start playing for an organization that already knows how to win. Uh, they won, I think, what, four out of the six uh, of their division. And so hopefully we can, I can help them get over that hump, get to a Super Bowl ring, and make those Houston fans uh, really proud of us. Yeah, absolutely. With with Texas opening up tomorrow, has there been any any communication about maybe when you would be coming down? Um, you know, I would assume they're going to try to be safer than sorry, given the yeah. circumstances. But I just know that we're opening tomorrow, so. Yeah, Megan actually told me that. Uh, they're kind of crazy. Texas is opening <laughs> tomorrow, but I know it's, it's I don't it's like so it. weird. And, <laughs> no, it's so weird. Well, it's tough because okay, if they're opening. Most of the guys aren't there, including myself, obviously. And so how does that work? Even though they're opening, a lot of players aren't, you know, going to risk traveling down right. there with what's going on. So I don't know, man. I don't know. And plus, I think the NFL said that they're not going to open any facilities until every facility can open. And who knows if or when New York's going to open their facility. That's the big one. I so. think when New York starts, that's when I think we can maybe even start to have conversations of what the – season could potentially look like, but with New York being really the epicenter of everything that's going on, you know, prayers for them, but uh, once that yeah. happens, we really, I don't think there's anything we can do. Exactly. There's not, even though, like, a lot of these other states are opening up, um, like you said, especially as an NFL or, uh, world, you can't do much. You just got to sit and wait and try to be safe yourself and, uh, you know, try to stay and try to really just, um, for us anyways, as players, the biggest thing is how we're going to be able to work out and be in shape because I think when they give the green light, we're basically going to start. So uh, I think that's probably the biggest difficulty for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, David, um, thank you for the time. I really appreciate it. It was awesome talking to you. Um, you're, you're a great dude. I can't wait to see what you do on the field. Uh, prayers to you and your family. I hope you guys are safe during all this. Uh, if, come when come when it's time, not anytime any time yeah. you know, any sooner. And um, Yeah, and we'll be in contact. So thank you so much, David. Thank you. Thanks for having me.